The stories contained in this podcast are the recollections of the guests we've invited onto the show. We are merely an outlet for people to share their truths, and we accept no legal responsibility for the stories contained herein. I'm Kendra Sheets. And I'm Rich Gill. And this is Enough, a podcast which aims to shine light into the darkened corners of the music industry while discussing the ways we can and should improve ourselves and in turn, our community. Content warning. This podcast may contain frank and graphic descriptions of sexual abuse and assault, including instances of rape. These accounts can be triggering specifically for those who have also experienced trauma, especially of a sexual nature. If at any point during this podcast, you feel yourself getting triggered, we suggest taking a break and taking care of yourself before continuing. But we do ask that you continue. These conversations are mentally taxing, but they are so important to have. Thank you. All right, we are at the fifth episode of the Enough Podcast. Uh, we have our guest on today. Her name is Erin. Erin, if you would like to introduce yourself further and give us some information about why you're on the podcast today, that would be great. So my name is Erin Doyle. Um, I've been in the punk band called Three Fingers for about six years now, which was really my first time getting involved in a local music scene. I grew up in the Chicago area and music has always been a big part of my life. Um, but when I moved to Seattle about six years ago, I had two goals to get into nursing school and to start a band. And the Seattle punk scene, specifically at the Kraken, was how I made most of my friends after moving across the country. It's a really great scene made up of solid people. Um, it really means a lot to me. So now I'm a nurse that plays in a punk band, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, and I also formed a DIY style fest called Our Fest to celebrate the girls, queers, and people of color in our scene. 2019 was the first year and I booked a pretty small, um, I booked two pretty small venues because I had no idea what the turnout was going to be like and we sold out and it was a really fun time. Um, unfortunately, 2020 and 2021 have been canceled thanks to COVID. I've also started dabbling a little in a solo project and have a single out from that. And of course, I should mention that I've been lucky enough to be a contributor to the bad copy with some music reviews and makeup tutorials um, that I've been slacking on. We paid her to say that. We paid her $5 (laughs) to say that. (laughs) Plugs, 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 baby. It's that bad copy credit card, which happens to just have my name on it and nothing else. Um, (laughs) All right. Um, Would you like to tell us a little bit about why you're on the podcast today and what happened to you? So... I'm here today to discuss an incident that's happened to me in 2019, uh, and more specifically, it's Aftermath. Three Fingers played a show at the Fun House in Seattle to celebrate our EP release for Last Call. Uh, The lineup was an awesome group of Seattle homies, and at the end of the show, someone wanted to get a photo of all of us on stage together. I started to get on stage, and I noticed right away that there was a handful of guys getting on stage who weren't in any of the bands who played um, and who I had never actually seen before. So I ended up standing kind of in the back, the left, the back left of the group, and I remember being kind of annoyed that our picture was being taken over by some randoms. And there was this guy next to me who I'd never seen before, and he immediately put his arm around my lower waist. I was immediately uncomfortable, totally recoiled from his touch. I thought it was being pretty obvious, um, you know, recoiling from him, like turning my shoulder away from him, taking a step away from him. But I was also still very aware that a photo was being taken. And so I was still trying to smile for the photo, not make a scene, but make it obvious to this creep next to me that his touch was unwanted. He immediately just stepped closer to me and moved his hand lower and it landed on my ass. So I froze. I was stuck in the moment wondering if I should make a scene, if I should keep smiling for the photo. Um, And in that moment, I was acutely aware that I was the only female on stage, the only woman, the only femme presenting person on stage. Um, And just started thinking about how that would seem if I made a scene. Um, and by the time I was able to process all of those thoughts, the moment was over. Um, people were talking again, starting to mingle, starting to move off the stage. And so I just quickly kind of ran away um, off the stage and back to our merch table. And the creep followed me. So he was obviously super shit faced. Um, then when I could see his face, I noticed that I recognized him from when we were 
playing, he was like in the front row and like, you know, super into our set, which is awesome, greatly appreciated. But now I'm starting to realize like that maybe there were ulterior motives. So he followed me back to the merch table and then he kept trying to get me to either hug him or hold his hand. Um, I don't even think that he knew what he was asking. I couldn't understand what he was asking, but I was being really firm on saying no and asking him to leave me alone. It wasn't until my male bandmate, Sean stepped in, uh, that he actually left. And I say left, but he was really dragged away by some of his friends. Um, even at that point, he wasn't really wanting to leave it was a lot of you know hands up yeah man okay you know I was just I was just you know (laughs) some of those um shitty excuses and I was really upset and I felt really violated in the moment especially since it was supposed to be you know a big night for me and my band and I remember that we had all wanted to go to another bar to kind of keep celebrating and I heard that that's where he and his friends were going to. So I immediately knew I wasn't going there. And so I was just kind of pissed, you know, for a night that I was supposed to, you know, still have a couple more hours to hang out with friends and celebrate and just felt like it just in like one moment was just kind of taken away by some shitty dude that I didn't even know who he was. Right after he left, I asked some of my other friends if they knew who that guy was. And I found that he played in a shitty band from Southern California he had been invited to the show from some of our mutual friends and was luckily just visiting Seattle. I told those friends what had happened and they seemed appalled and told me that they would talk to him and make him apologize. I felt really supported in that moment and was also really relieved to learn that at least he didn't like live in the area. So I hopefully wouldn't have to see him anymore and that hopefully this would be the only night that he got to ruin for me. Um, But it was really this event and its aftermath that kind of snowballed um, into making me realize how prevalent this shit is in the scene. And um, yeah. Coming off of something that was, you know, a night that you had such high expectations for. This is your band's, you know, album release night. You, you know, you can't help but assume that certain things are going to go a certain way and that something like this completely derails everything. It completely caught me off guard. Um, it made me feel really isolated in the moment. You know, like I kind of mentioned before, it made me really aware that I was the only femme presenting person. And, you know, it's already... I don't want to say hard enough, you know, but like it is kind of is though. Like I didn't really think about it until I thought about it. And now I can't not think about how I'm, you know, one out of two women in a room full of a whole bunch of guys before, you know, when you're younger, you're like, I'm here for shows. Yay bands. And then the next thing you know, you're being called a band slut, a groupie because you're the only female in the room and you happen to own a vagina. Like, you know, and then all these things come with it because you're there, you're, either faking it because you want to get laid or you want to get some, you know, band dick or, you know, you can't just happen to like music. God forbid you would like something that somebody else likes who's a male. Like it is kind of hard. It's, it's harder than you really realize until you realize it. And then you're like, shit, I've been dealing with this without dealing with it really mentally, you know? Exactly. And I mean, you know, if I had a dollar for every time somebody came up to me asking if I was the merch girl before yeah. being played or, you know, something derogatory of that nature, um, you know, I or used to, I, I used to uh, roadie and tour manage bands and one of them had a woman drummer and the amount of times that we would walk in and they would look at the promoter or whoever would look at her and be like, merch is over there. And I'd be like, actually, that's me. She's the drummer. Oh. <laughs> it's so fucked yeah. up. And, you know, like, I understand maybe, you know, it being an honest mistake. But then I really hope that by people, you know, seeing how I react and hopefully how other women react, that they take a minute to think and realize how fucked up that assumption was. And maybe they won't make that assumption in the future. But, you know, coming off of that and, you know, already being acutely aware that I'm one of, you know, few females in the punk, the local music scene, let alone punk scene. Um, you know, it made me more hesitant to do anything on stage to make a scene. You know, I think a lot of people, when I have told this story, uh, I get a lot of responses along the line of, 
oh, I would have punched him in the face or I would have done that. And it's really easy to say that. And, you know, I might have been guilty of doing that in the past, too. You know, um, when I was younger, hearing stories like that, like, oh, man, if that were to happen to me, I would fuck him up or kick him in the balls or whatever. But, you know, when you're in that moment, you're on that stage, you worked so hard to get there and, you know, you don't want to be singled out even further. And then risk getting some sort of reputation of, you know, being difficult or there's also like a, a fight or flight response to some of it. And the fight mm -hmm. doesn't really kick in as much as you think that it would. It's more of a, let me get out of this situation and get somewhere safe. And then I can be like mad about it later. Kind of. And as we talked about, like, cause this is not the first time I've heard this story. You know, you discussed this openly um, since it happened. Um, you made posts about it on your social media accounts and you and I have talked about it a number of times. Um, and one of the things that we have, have shared, but then also talked about that we shared is that unfortunately, I guess one of our guttural responses when we both talked about what happened was we were both like, well, it wasn't that bad, but, and it's so shitty that both of us as women think well, he only grabbed my ass without my consent. It's not that that could have been worse. Like, that, <laughs> we should never even be in a position where that comment has to be made. But that really kind of is where we're at with today. Like, well, you didn't rate me. So that's cool. Like, I mean, that that's so off-putting. And, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, it really isn't the worst thing. But it does come with baggage. And it comes with, I mean, every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? Like, so... For his action, you are going through things. You have had to deal with things, not just at that moment at the show, but there's after effects to those things. A hundred percent. And I think that was another thing too, is that I'm just thinking, oh, he just grabbed my ass. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And especially, you know, I, I have been diagnosed with PTSD. I have past traumas, um, you know, not that that necessarily matters or is even relevant to the situation, but I think it was in my mind thinking, oh, this is, I've been through much worse. This yeah. doesn't matter. And, you know, I used to, for a short time when I was 19, 20 years old, I was a server at a country club. I can't even count how many old white men grabbed my ass. It's a really sad thing to reflect on that I've downplayed the situation so much because, oh, it was just an ass grab. Oh, he just violated my space and my body. Oh, you know, like it's on stage. <laughs> also something to be said about, and not that this line really needs to be drawn, but, you know, old men of the country club, you're at your pace of business. You're never going to see these assholes again until next time they go golfing. This is your scene, your show, your hometown, the stage you were just on you, with your friends, your bands opening for you. I mean, this was all about you. You had basically curated your own night for yourself, you know, without doing so much. And this person came into your scene, your town, your venue at your show was in the front row dancing, you know, and dancing along to your songs. And the next, you know, he's on the stage with your friends from the, like the everyone played, you know, together, let's have a group photo. And he's popping into that. Like it's, it's more intrusive than the old country club guys. Like, and not again, not that it's better or worse. It's what we do. And we spend so many hours of our lives at these venues, listening to these bands, you know, following, paying money for our shows and vinyl and download codes and t-shirts and all this crap. And you, and it becomes such an ingrained part of your life, whether you want it to or not, it kind of just does. And then something like this happens. It's like someone's literally breaking into your house. June 7th, 2019 is when the show happened. I became a nurse in, uh, I started early September, 2018. So I had like just finished my residency. I, yeah, I'm so fucking tired. You know, I've been having to go from day shift to night shift, which if anybody's ever had a transition that like, you know, right there, all, you know, everything's out of whack. You're fucking nauseous all the time. You know, your body doesn't know how to regulate your circadian rhythms all off. I had been working night shifts. So from, to go from night shift to day shift to night shift, working full time in my first ever career in healthcare while trying to plan <laughs> and release this EP. You know, it was a lot of work that I went through and 
created and curated for this night. And I was so excited for this night to kind of accumulate in this, you know, kind of celebration of being past some of the hardest shit. And like, now we can celebrate like the EP's out, the hard work's done. Now is when we get to have fun and let's fucking party and let's have a good time. And then these fucking assholes show up and just take it from me. Yeah. It just, it was obviously a violation. It's, but then there's also this kind of cloud of, you know, coming over me. Was it a violation though? Was it really that bad? You've been through worse. Is anybody else going to think it's that bad? The moments right after I felt really, really valued and um, appreciated and supported, you know, by my bandmates and by other guys that played that night and in that scene. Um, you know, I still ended up going home feeling bummed that I couldn't, you know, continue the night. But I was like, okay, you know, these guys don't live here. They're going to go back home. It is what it is. I hopefully will never see them again. You know, I learned that they played in another band. And so they do sometimes tour up, you know, I don't know if I want to say tour, but we'll play a show up in the Seattle area at places that I like to go to. And, you know, so there was that kind of, well, hopefully it won't happen that often. Hope, you know, I just can know to avoid them. They ruined this night. I'm not going to let them take any more from me than they already have. It is what it is. It's done. It's over. Good night. It wasn't really until the next day that I was kind of ruminating on it still, like just you know, when I should be in a great mood and just realizing that I still just kind of had this cloud over me and just kind of like, just felt like something was bugging me without really being able to articulate or put into words what that was. Um, you know, looking back, I think it was just like feeling violated, (laughs) but so it was the day after the show that I got an Instagram message from the creep who grabbed my ass. And I then realized that we had both followed each other on Instagram. I just didn't recognize him in person um, because we had a shit ton of mutual friends, um, you know, through the scene. And he sent me a message that said that our mutual friend at the show had filled him in on what he had done, what had occurred that night, but that he didn't remember doing anything because he was drunk. It was obvious that it was an attempt at an apology, but it fell far short. And It honestly just made me way more upset because it came off as one of those, I'm sorry if you think I did something. I'm sorry if you feel that way, you know. Um, I'm sorry if you remember because I don't. (laughs) Um, We've brought this up before, but it's it's like all of these people use the same, like there's some sort of handbook for for (laughs) non-apologies. Yes. And everyone uses the same the same thing. I'm it's sorry that you play. felt this way. It's like How Mad Libs for bad guys. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's Mad Libs. I couldn't remember what it was called, but yeah. Mad fill in, Libs fill for in your bad adjectives. Guys. <laughs> Did you grope, caress? You know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was this whole, you know, bullshit apology rhetoric. Um, like a poor, a very poor attempt at gaslighting me into thinking that I had imagined it or I exaggerated it somehow. There was a lot of emphasis on, I don't think my hand was on your ass. Despite not remembering it because he was drunk, he did know that his hand was on your back and not your ass. Interesting point, Rich. (laughs) Touche. Exactly. And not to mention like putting your hand on my lower back if it invades my space and makes me feel it's, uncomfortable is also fucking body. valid. Um, which took me a while, you know, it's been two years now and it took me about two years to kind of be able to appreciate that as positive as I was that this had occurred and how it made me feel and that my reactions were valid. There still was that brief moment of, oh my God, what if his hand really did just slip? And then I'm just being this crazy girl and I'm just making this big deal out of, oh my God, his hand just went like an inch too low. And it's like, no, no, let's think about it again. He put his hand on my lower back first. I recoiled, I stepped away, I moved. He followed me, put his hand, you know, like there are steps and, you know, it just kind of sucked that, yeah, he did this poor attempt at gaslighting me, which briefly kind of worked, but It also seemed really apparent to me that he was only doing this to appease our mutual friend. Oh, so-and-so filled me in and -and so-and-so told me to apologize to you. 
that in itself really pissed me off and upset me because that friend never asked me if I wanted this guy to reach out and apologize to me. And I get that he most likely had good intentions and I appreciate that. And I was trying to be appreciative of that in the moment, but I honestly just wanted nothing to do with this creep and I wanted to move on. I mean, I guess the only good thing from it was that then I realized that I followed him and was letting him (laughs) follow me on social media before I made a post about it. The whole thing felt very performative to me and it felt very like, um, I spoke out to this mutual friend. And so, you know, he felt like, you know, there were certain things that needed to happen or needed to be done, you know, without necessarily thinking of how is that going to make me feel? Is that what I want? And checking in with me. Um, and then, you know, this creep who got called out, you know, felt like he had to respond in a certain Mad Libs gaslighting fashion as well and check these boxes. And it just, it just felt very like, okay, now we're done. I don't remember exactly what I said in response to him, you know, like I said, because I've blocked him now and I can't see it, but it was, I definitely made it very clear. And it was something to the effect uh, that being drunk and not remembering isn't an excuse and that he could take his bullshit somewhere else. It seems like these guys um, or people, people, not just guys, um, have this kind of plug and play mentality. And when it comes to making apologies for public apologies, apologies to other people or apologies maybe to themselves. I'm so sorry. My alcoholism is out of control. I found out I'm a raging alcoholic or I've had drug problems for years. And that has really fueled the fire with the issues that we're discussing here. You know, you say, Oh, I don't know what happened. I was drunk. But also alcohol lowers your inhibition. So you do things that you normally wouldn't do that you thought about doing or that you would be like, oh, I don't know if I should do this societal confines. I don't know. But like, so that's not an excuse. It's it's not. I mean, it's not a fucking pass. None of this is your bad behavior cannot be passed off because of substance abuse. So many of us have been getting drunk for half our lives and never done anything like this. It's very easy to be a drunk people and not rape people (laughs) exactly bingo nail on the head exactly i like to drink you know and Mm -hmm. i don't i've never sexually assaulted someone or groped someone without consent and (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know like i yeah i've never done anything like that um it's it's not an excuse it's you know it's bullshit it's um but it's still constantly used as an excuse, which is insane to me because I feel like the people who are accepting this as a valid excuse, do, do they do this shit too? Like, do they then use the guise of being drunk, being fucked up to, um, let it be okay that they assaulted someone, that they let a racial slur slip, that they, you know, let it be known that they don't think of women as equals, you know, like, Oh, I was drunk. I didn't really mean it. Like, No, you're letting exactly what you said. You're letting your inhibitions go. You're not becoming someone else. And, you know, I do want to say like alcoholism is real. It's a disease. I do get that. But, you know, I'm that doesn't excuse shitty behavior. 100% correct. But if we want to break it down based on, you know, alcoholism or what it what it does to your body, like I could be like, yeah, sorry, I grabbed your ass. I'm super dehydrated. Yeah. Like, not that that's a disease, or I could be like, I have celiac, so I grabbed your dick at the bar. Like, <laughs> exactly. That's a disease? That exactly. makes me feel like I ate some wheat. Oh, God. Like, that doesn't work. It doesn't fucking work. You need to be on your shit all the mm-hmm. time. And if you decide to imbibe in something that fucks with your brain and your body, then you need to still be on your shit, or else you need to go. Um, yeah. So when you were talking uh, and explaining the situation... Um, you said that they were from um, Southern California. They were in a band. Um, who is the other person that you're talking about in that scenario? I knew that he was there with friends. Um, I didn't really know who they were at that point. If they were also from Southern California at that point, whatever. I just knew that he had friends there who, you know, the ones that I saw drag him off by his elbow after Sean stood up for me and they finally started to listen and leave me alone. Um, yeah. So I found out 
later that his one of his bandmates was there and then I think his bandmates wife was there um and I don't know if there there might have been another person in that group I'm not sure but those I know for sure that those three people were there and so when I'm saying they and when I'm calling out the band as a whole you know it's because of you know after future events transpired um when I did call out and I did make the decision to come public to come forth with my story, what had happened, um, that I knew that his bandmates knew and chose to defend him and stay in a band with him. You know, I think this has been kind of touched upon in some other episodes that you guys have done touching on call out culture and things like that. And, um, can't, you know, like canceling people. Um, and, I want to be clear that, you know, my intentions were never to just like cancel this guy and cancel this band. And, you know, I wanted to come forth with my story because it was obvious that in, in private, it was being swept under the rug and it wasn't being taken seriously. And it felt like this was something that most likely was not the first time that this guy had done this and would most likely not be the last time. Um, and you know, it could be something much bigger and kind of going back to what we had said about, you know, this feeling of like it not being that big of a deal. I wasn't really planning on discussing this, but you know what? Fuck it. Fuck the stigma. I think I want to be really transparent. Um, I am a survivor of rape and nobody took me seriously after it. And I was treated like such shit. Um, when I went to the hospital from the nurses that that is actually what made me want to become a nurse. I was finishing up a degree in political science pre-law. I had gotten into law school. I did an internship with the Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network. I was in courtrooms all day listening to domestic abusers because um, the courtroom that I was at only heard one side. Um, it was just the judge and the abusers. And I was very familiar with this. And then I went through my own instance where I was raped and I admittedly put myself into a poor situation. I used some poor judgment. I was intoxicated, but I was very, very clear on saying no and not wanting to have sex. And that was not listened to. And I left and I went straight to the hospital and I wanted a rape kit. I was told no, unless I gave the name and the address of where it happened. Um, I did not know his name. And I did not want to give the address out because it was at a friend's house whose daughter had recently had a heart transplant and she was selling weed on the side to try and make ends meet. And so I did not want to give her address to the cops and have her get in trouble as well. But from the very get-go, that person, the security guard um, slash police officer, whoever he was at that front desk. Um, the triage nurse and then the intake nurse all treated me like absolute shit, made me feel like I was making it up, like I must have actually consented and just forgot, or I must have wanted this to happen. They refused to do a rape kit because I wouldn't give the address, which I now know is illegal, but I didn't then. And I was very distraught. And I reached out to a guy that I was kind of dating at the time when I told him his response was, Jesus Christ, why are you putting that on me? So after going through all this, you know, it really changed my perception on a lot of things. You know, I had been through abuse and traumas in the past, but never in a sexual nature. And it really made me unfortunately aware of how much emphasis people put on those other facets of the story. Were you drinking? What were you wearing? What were you doing? Why were you there? You know, all of those things that frankly don't fucking matter and shouldn't matter, but it made me acutely aware of how much they unfortunately do matter to a lot of people. And so I didn't really talk about it. I sought my own therapy and I worked it out with myself, but I really didn't tell a lot of friends because a lot of the friends that I did tell at the time, um, who were no longer friends <laughs> also were just kind of like, well, weren't you making out with him? You know, didn't you kiss him? Like, yes, but I was very clear, very adamant on nothing going further and did not give consent. And, you know, if rape is the most severe or one of the most severe ways that you can be sexually 
assaulted and taken advantage of and violated. And yet I'm still not being listened to or taken seriously or cared for. Then why is anybody going to fucking care that some guy grabbed my ass? And so I think that was a lot of what I was thinking in that moment that like, oh, I've been through way worse. This isn't that bad. You know, like it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, of course, that is, I'm sure, also triggering a lot of my own PTSD from my own traumas as well. So maybe that plays comes into play, too. But like I said, frankly, it shouldn't matter. Grabbing someone's body without consent is a violation, period. But I do think that going through this history made me way more reluctant to share my story. So after it first happened, my instinct, my gut reaction was just to sweep it under the rug you know, maybe bitch about it to some of my friends, maybe bitch about it in therapy, but to mostly just brush it under the rug, move on, get past it, you know, never support that band and be aware for myself. But it was after this bullshit fake ass apology that I really couldn't stop thinking about it and stop thinking about, wow, this guy really has no remorse. He doesn't seem genuinely shocked or appalled or you know, ashamed of himself. He's not, he's just going through the motions to try and give me this bullshit gaslighty apology because he thinks that's what he needs to do. And he's going to go on continuing to do this and continuing to hurt other people. And it's like it's happened before. Right. And if there's one thing I know about myself, it's that I'm loud. I don't care to an extent uh, what other people think about me and I'm okay putting myself out there. I'm okay using my voice. And so if I am okay with putting out my story and letting people know so that way they can be aware and also maybe to make them not feel so alone if they've had shit like this happen to them and give them a space to talk about it and let them know that I am a safe space and that, you know, I will have your back because like I said, and like we talked about, I froze in the moment and I'm someone who I used to get in fights in third grade with little boys on in recess when you're younger and you're going through sex ed and you're hearing about rape and stuff, you know, I've always pictured myself as like, well, that'll never happen to me because I'll fucking fight them off and I'll beat their ass and all this stuff. And you don't know until you go through it, how you're going to react. That fight or flight is real. The term deer in headlights is a term for a reason. You don't know until you're in that situation. You can say you do all these things, but until you're actually in that situation, you have no idea. Exactly that they tell you saying like, oh, you know, the the really terrible sex ed videos about rape or whatever. And you see those when you're younger or you just hear stories and you're like, you know, that would never happen to me. I wouldn't act like that. I'd kick him in the balls or I'd push him off me or whatever. You never think that you're going to be the one who's laying there basically counting the cracks in the ceiling, hoping that five minutes goes by pretty fast and just trying to block out what's going on. But it happens. It's real life. It does not turn out like you think it's going to. I don't think we talk enough about rape and sexual assault in terms of it's most likely to happen from someone you know or someone you're acquainted with. We all have this view of like it being on like Law and Order SVU. And like you're walking down an alley and a scary man comes up behind you with a knife to your throat. You couldn't scream. You couldn't fight him off because they had a gun to you. They had a knife to you. But, you know, in reality, it doesn't happen that way. It's exactly what you said. It happens when you're drunk and you're at a friend's house where you have your inhibitions down and you feel safe. And then all of a sudden someone's there and you don't know what to do. Knowing all this, knowing what I've been through, you know, knowing the stigma on it. And also knowing how I was treated, you know, with this first trauma, I wanted to kind of reclaim that. And I also, I wanted to call out this shitty behavior. If I couldn't prevent him from acting that way in the future, maybe I could at least prevent people who maybe would have gone to those shows with their inhibitions down. You know, I don't necessarily know if I even wanted to stop people from going to their shows, but I just wanted them to at least, if you're going to go be aware and have your guard up, you know, if you're going to hang out with these guys or people who are friends with these guys. And again, I'm saying these guys because now at this point in the future, I know that his bandmates all know and are complicit. I'd like to think that, you know, if I had known that maybe he was a creep, maybe I would have had my guard up and maybe I would have, you know, not been next to him or not have frozen because I would have already had gone through and thought about how he was a creep and had a different reaction, you know, in the moment. The next day after the apology, so two days after the show, so it was June 9th, 2018, I made a Facebook post describing what happened. I wrote, 
that I had debated whether or not I should post it publicly. But after the creep reached out with his bullshit fake ass apology, I really felt that I should call it his behavior to try to help this, you know, one, not happen again, and two, to hold him accountable and not let his shitty behavior get a pass just because he was drunk or because he didn't remember. Right away, I was really overwhelmed with support. It was so cathartic to share what happened. It was incredible to see so many people reach out to me, you know, especially people that maybe I didn't know very well in the scene. And I wasn't exactly sure how they'd react. And again, thinking back to past experiences, when I surrounded myself with, you know, a lower caliber of people of how they reacted. (laughs) Um, It was really, really awesome to feel like, wow, I truly feel like I have people who have my back. And you know, If we were not in the back row of this photo and one of these people were behind us, you know, I really feel like they would have intervened because again, I feel like it's much easier for someone like me. Like I would have a much easier time intervening. If I saw something happen, I would have zero problems getting in someone's face and intervening. And I have been that person when someone's getting hit on, but when you're that person being attacked, you know, it's, it's different. You hit that fight or flight, you freeze, whatever. And so it was really, really nice feeling like, okay, I haven't lost my safer space at punk shows, you know, this awesome community that I had felt like I found. It wasn't just a facade. It was real. And there were stand-up people here in Seattle and, you know, these assholes could go back to Southern California and hopefully never see them again. There were a lot of people who shared in the comments their own stories of really similar things that had happened to them at shows that they had been to or by people in the scene. And it just felt really validating, you know, because I had this fear that, again, like we had kind of talked about earlier that I was going to seem like, oh, this is why we don't like girls in punk bands, you know, right. because they turn everything into this Making big... problems. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it just felt really validating to see people of all genders commenting on this post in a really validating, inclusive way. And that feeling kind of lasted for maybe a month before I was messaged by a bandmate of this dude. It was super gaslighty, super derogatory, basically asking me for proof. Do you, do you know anyone who has the photo that was taken that night? You know, I was there with my pregnant wife, so she was sober and we didn't see it happen. Honestly, it reminded me of how people treated me in my past. You know, it was a lot of like, well, do you have proof of what happened? You know, didn't you have a beer on stage? You know, like just very, how do you know if you were drunk and he was drunk and, you know, he's my friend, so he would never do something like that. So I think you're full of shit. Where's your proof? Bye. Is he somewhat through these comments technically suggested that you somehow saw a stranger get on stage at your record release show, stand next to you and think, and while you're smiling, waiting for a photo, think, I can't wait to fucking blast this relative stranger about how he's going to fake grab my ass in about five, four. I can't wait to be thrown under the bus because I'm a woman. Wee! Like, this makes no sense. It's unfortunate. And we, we've discussed this before, too. Like, I call it like the COVID mentality. People are like, yeah, I'm being safe. Like, I don't know how everyone's getting so sick. And then you see them with like 16 people in their basement on masks, having a party. And they're like, oh, it's not even that big of a deal. Like, we're all healthy. We're all, you know, we're vaxxed or we weren't vaxxed, but we were just young, like, or whatever the situation was. And then they're like, all these other people are getting sick. And, you know, it's or it's not that big of a deal. It's really not that contagious. And then they have a family member that gets sick and they end up on a ventilator. And then the next thing you see on Facebook is, guys, this shit is real. Like COVID is some serious shit. It's kind of the same thing. I feel like when it comes to listening and understanding victims um, or survivors, I feel like almost like when you're introduced to your very first one and they tell you what's going on, you go through this bullshit rigmarole that this guy sent to you. No one person outside of those people will know exactly what happened in those scenarios. And there are going to be very different stories because everyone sees the world through very different lenses. But I don't think that we should ever forget the full extent into which survivors who come forward are steamrolled and basically drugged for miles to the point they're like bloody and bruised for just stating what happened to them. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're trying to basically say that someone else did something to you and you say it openly, you're going to have a whole flock of people on your Facebook or your Instagram or talking behind your back being like, well, I saw that she was drunk this one time or that guy never did that to me. But 
but there's literally nothing to gain by someone coming forward and going, hey, this guy grabbed my ass. I'm happy that he ruined my record release party. Like, what would you have to gain there? There's this weird mentality that, you know, let's be honest, it's mostly men. Um, but there are some women who feel the same way that this that somehow like by people speaking out about this, they're like clout chasing or like looking right. for fame or something. You have everything it's to lose and nothing to gain. And so people still, for some reason, think that it's the opposite. This is not like a Bill Cosby situation. <laughs> You're dealing with a band from Southern California that plays like two shows a year. Like you're not going after like $158,000 or more. Like you're not getting any settlement from this. We're not taking this to court. You're just talking about your truth. Yes. And, you know, it was also a band who had no booked shows or anything. So it's not like I was trying to cancel some show and, you know, ruin people's Friday night or, you know, livelihood if they can, you know, support themselves on $40 and two PBRs. Um, But... It's like when we get paid for this podcast. (laughs) Wait, where are my PBRs? Um, They're in in the the mail. 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 Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. No, but really, and anybody who has come out and done something like this um, and spoken their truth in a way like this knows that your character gets dragged and every facet of your life gets discussed and you get put on display and it fucking sucks. (laughs) Like, it's not to know that there are people out there having discussions and debating, you know, am I a trustworthy person? And, you know, like, do you have a copy of the phone? Who do you know who was there that night? And, and Rich, like you said, like, it is mostly men, but there are a lot of women too. I feel like there's a lot of women who are complicit more so than being vocal about calling out or, you know, speaking out against people who are speaking up like this bandmate, you know, and his pregnant wife, you know, she's adamant that she didn't see anything that night. And she should be the most trustworthy because she was sober. And, you know, and to clarify, I was not drunk. You know, I drove myself there there that night. I had my two free PBRs, you know, over the course of five hours. (laughs) And oh, my God, so (laughs) fucked up. And (laughs) again, not that it would matter. But if that is what we are basing her trustworthiness on, yeah, exactly. If that's where where this logic is coming from, then two can play at that game, you know, like, because I was sober too. So having his bandmate reach out to me in this fucking awful, derogatory, horrendous way of just basically, you know, I heard that you named the band and that's really shitty because like, we didn't do anything and I was there, but you know, my pregnant wife was too. She didn't see anything. So it didn't happen. Show me the picture. Otherwise shut up. But then like ended it with like a, again, thanks for taking the time to read this or, you know, like a very, like, (laughs) like it it just, it read like a fucking headache. (laughs) Like, but yeah, but basically how I responded to him was no, I don't have the photo. I don't even know who took the fucking photo. And even if I had the photo, you're not going to see shit because again, like, I froze in the moment and I was very aware that there were photos being taken. So I was smiling. I might've looked like a little uncomfortable and depending on when they snapped the actual photo, you know, you might've, you might've caught me right when I was doing my sidestep. You might've caught me when I was kind of shouldering him, or you might've caught me just smiling and we were in the very back row. So it's not like you're going to see his fucking hand. Especially in the place that we are now in this new COVID world. Social media is very much the majority way that we communicate with people, that we connect with people. But even beyond that, I used to be one of those people who was like, the internet isn't real life. It's just like, whatever. But that is not the case. Everything happens on the internet. Everything happens on social media. So when you see things like people staying friends with this person on social media or liking a post from the band, they can be like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, you know... I've heard the excuse, that's how I know that I've seen something if I like it or heart it or whatever, then I know I've seen it. It's like, well, you're not thinking about what that does to the person who was assaulted by this band or this person. And whether you mean it or not, it's you putting your support behind that person versus the person that they harmed. As much as sometimes I feel maybe silly, like putting weight on social media or things 
that happen on social media. Like you're right, especially in times of COVID now, you know, it is a main way that we interact with people. I personally think that social media really helped me to form like friendships when I first, you know, moved to Seattle and was new to the music scene. You know, I would meet people briefly at a show and it's loud and stuff, but then I would find them on social media and then I would try to like relate to them and chat with them and, you know, form that connection. So that way, next time I saw them at a show, I had something to talk to them about. You know, I kind of grew up with social media in a lot of ways. You know, I definitely by the time I was a freshman in high school, I was already on MySpace. And, you know, teaching myself how to code to make those cool MySpace backgrounds and stuff. And social media has kind of always been at least in the background of my life and how I interact with people. A little bit after, you know, this message that I got from his bandmate, I had noticed on social media, I don't remember what platform, but I I had noticed that a mutual friend of ours, one of the guys in that shitty band was like liking and commenting on his posts and our mutual friend like was responding in a positive way. And so that unfortunately kind of brought it all back. And um, I realized like, oh shit. So maybe some of these people who are showing me support in the moment are also showing this guy support and maybe it is kind of performative and maybe they don't have my best intentions in mind or maybe they don't believe me or maybe they don't give a shit about me maybe they're just doing what they think that they should say but they're not actually taking any actions I don't want to come across this where I'm seeing them comment on shit and I'm seeing them pop up and then I have to relive that and I have to go through that again and I don't want them in my life I don't want to deal with them And then I don't want anyone who supports them to deal with them at this point, because again, they have showed no steps to bettering themselves, let alone acknowledgement. We'll start at, we'll start at the very beginning. They haven't even acknowledged it. So I created just, you know, a little three, four sentence blurb that I copy and pasted to all 42, 43 mutual friends that I had just saying, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but a year ago, so-and-so from this band sexually assaulted me at my own show. I'm not sure if you realize that you like his band page. You know, I would really appreciate it if you would consider unliking them or removing me as a friend because I just don't want anything to do with them anymore. Thank you. And like immediately I had an outpouring of people like, oh, fuck, like (laughs) I had no idea. Unlike them right now, thank you so much for letting me know I'm embarrassed, you know, or like, oh, fuck, you know, fuck that dude. Like, I don't even know that band. I had no idea like them. Literally, their band name doesn't even ring a bell. You know, whatever. Like, had an outpouring, you know, like, immediately. Like, I think half those numbers went away. I did have a few people that just deleted me, which is fine. You know, that's what I asked for. That's fine. (laughs) Like, you know, I can't control who you like, who you're friends with. But I can't control if you're going to be friends with me or in my space. And that's that's what I wanted. Um, You know, I'm not trying to get everyone to give this band zero likes and zero listens, you know, if you're going to support them, don't be fake and don't be friends with me. I want my space a little safer. But yeah, and it's it's hard because it's, it feels really silly to make it this like social media, you know, oh, you like someone's Facebook page or you're friends with so-and-so. But, you know, again, like it's the only really way that I had to try and weed out people in my life who maybe didn't have my best intentions in mind, weren't going to have my back. It'd be really easy for someone to be like, oh, well, she gave me an ultimatum. Either I unlike the band page or I, you know, I'm no longer a friend with her. Why would she do that? And I think you touched on it slightly in saying that you didn't want to have any connection with them and you would see things pop up because of the way that social media functions and the way that news feeds function. And if your friend likes this, then you get recommended this thing consistently. Everything needs to be survivor centric. In this situation, while this may seem like a kind of an all or nothing or even a flippant request because it's just social media, this is what you really were requesting of people to do to make you feel comfortable, as comfortable as you can be in the aftermath of the situation that she was forced upon you. For the people who say, oh, it's just social media, well, then it's just a like, so unlike it. This is your friendship. Is there a reply or a public statement or something from the the person who actually assaulted you that you could have looked at and been like see this person did it right this is how you should respond when something like this happens if this guy sends you exactly what you say here it does not count like, <laughs> it doesn't it does not count. Work, dude it's been like two and a half years 
Exactly. Yes, fully. And if somebody else uses this. <laughs> yeah, don't use this next guy who we're going to call out on the podcast. I, I kind of have two sides of that. That is something that I've spent a lot of time kind of ruminating over and thinking about. And I think my gut reaction is like, no, fuck them. I want nothing to do with them. Get out of my life. Never deal with, you know, never talk to me again, whatever. Fuck off. <laughs> but as someone who has gone through therapy and is trying to be more compassionate and understanding and realizing that people fuck up and people can grow and people can change. I do think that there are steps and things that people could do for me personally, even if he and the band said and did everything right, I would want nothing to do with them, but I wouldn't feel so I would, I wouldn't care so much if I had mutual friends who like them or whatever, you know, just be, it'd be something that I would want to distance myself because I wouldn't want to relive through that and have to be triggered by that again. If you can't acknowledge what you've done, if you can at least acknowledge that your actions made someone feel violated, like that is bare minimum number one um, as the person who did it. And then, you know, as the bandmates acknowledging that, wow, I've known this person, I'm good friends with this person, but obviously I'm not this person. So I can't say that they didn't do this or that they would never do this because I am another cis straight man who would not be groped by this person who is into women. (laughs) So, um, or femme presenting people, you know, I think it's okay to be like, wow, I'm really caught off guard. This is someone I like, and I can't picture them doing this, but that doesn't mean that they didn't or that they are not capable of doing that, you know? So again, just like acknowledgement, bare fucking minimum, (laughs) like that is, that is step like (laughs) 0.5, like not even step one, that's bare fucking minimum. And then two, you know, the next step, whatever step one would be some sort of acknowledgement or promise or show of faith that you are doing something to learn from your mistakes, to better yourself, to grow as a person, to make real change, not just posting a blanket kind of acknowledgement kind of apology on social media does not fucking count. That does not, you know, that's not a show of faith that you are doing anything to better yourself or grow. Like I'm talking, you know, start watching some documentaries, start reading some books, start talking to people in your group that are not cis straight white men and listen to their stories and see, Hey, have you ever experienced anything shitty at a show? Because guess what? I promise you they all have, I don't care who they are. They all have, whether it's a microaggression or an assault, they have all experienced something shitty. (laughs) And I think that, you know, taking steps, And showing that you are accountable for your acknowledgement is the next step. And then, you know, after that, I don't know exactly what it looks like. I think, again, it's going to depend on every person. But I, I think those are the two bare minimum steps that need to be reached or touched to be able to grow in the future to not be a shitty person. Enough is a podcast centering on abuse, harassment, and assault in the music scene. To help get the word out, please like or subscribe and share with your friends. If you have been on the receiving end of harm from someone, be it artist, venue owner, audience member, or someone else, and would like to share your story on a future episode, please reach out to us at thisisenoughpodcast at gmail.com. All correspondences are kept confidential.